Hi everyone, you're listening to episode 9 of Essie's Hour of Love. Special guest today is Felicity Tuzo, who just happens to be my roommate as well. Um, she is a account director at an advertising agency. She also is one of the smartest people I know and we know each other quite well. So this one was a challenge to see if I could still get her to say everything that I already know. But the funny thing was, is that she actually ended up saying a lot of stuff that I didn't know. So it worked out perfectly. I hope you enjoy and keep listening. Have a good day. Bye. All right, we're on. So I'm not going to do my big... Why not? Well, because I'm going to do... This is going to be the first time I'm going to do an intro before. Ah. So I'll do that beforehand. Okay. Yeah. Cool. But I... So I would have already talked or said your name. Ah, okay. So we can just get into it. Get into it. All right. (laughs) How are you feeling? (laughs) Good. I'm a little bit nervous, Esther. Why are you nervous? I don't know what you're going to ask me. I know. (laughs) You know me too well. You well, ask but, me probing questions. But that is the issue that's coming up with my podcast at the moment is when I have a guest on that I know a lot about, I sort of like know the answer that I want you to say. Yeah. And then it sort of doesn't. And also apparently because we know each other so well, you don't end up finishing your thoughts or you don't say the whole story because you're like, why would I repeat this again? You already know the whole story. Um, So I'm, but it's not like I don't know everything. I mean, I don't know everything about you. you. But I do have a topic today that I want to talk to you about. It's about growing balls. (laughs) I don't have balls. (laughs) You mean metaphorically? I mean, metaphorically becoming... It's all about dating with you. Yeah. We're not... This is what we're focusing on. Okay. Relationships, dating, and crushes. Okay. And that... Yeah. And that leap of liking someone and doing something about it or just telling them that you like... That that moment when you're like, I'm not sure if this is anything, but I'm not going to rest unless I say something. Yeah. I'm not going to be able to move on. I feel like you have gone on a journey with this. Yeah. And can we, like, go back to, like, like, did you always kind of have that drive to be so kind of honest about it? No. In fact, it was probably completely the opposite. So I know you know this about me, but I have social anxiety and it is... I know you say I know that about you, but I don't I don't know it that well. Well, so... Because with, with you and I, you don't have yeah, anxiety. So, so basically social anxiety, and I've become a lot better at managing it, but social anxiety is this irrational fear of being judged. So completely irrational. So you're not going to put yourself in the face of judgment. Um, and it, it pretty much sees things in a very black and white way, like this per- person's either going to accept me or they're going to reject me. So... Have you self diagnosis or no no so this was honestly I was always a super shy kid um I never put myself out there I was very lucky in the fact that I had a lot of friends and I was naturally I naturally yeah I had a lot of friends so I kind of always hide behind that and then there were two things so I always did well at school and I always did well in sport and it was really interesting so sport's one of those things you get sport and school you get graded you either win or you lose so they're, they're they're kind of very and when you're good at them, you're always getting that constant. Like it's very clear if you're succeeding or not. 
then I think a few things happened around the same time for me. So I had career and I'm using career as it's in terms of with air quotes because I wouldn't necessarily call my sporting career a career but I had a career two consecutive career ending injuries um so I stopped playing sport I finished I graduated from university and then very quickly after that one of my best friends died so it all kind of came to a head in a incredible way an Um, age like what are we so Well, I guess this happened probably a little, so it probably wasn't all at around the same time. I stopped playing netball when I was 22 and I graduated uni from when I was 23 and then my friend died at 25. So suddenly you're you're moving into a kind of career, you're not getting the recognition that you got from sport and from uni you know that um if i'm an american university no no netball netball yeah (laughs) it's kind of like basketball let's just leave it at that um and then my friend died and i fell to pieces completely so i just could not cope i went out every time i went out i would have insane panic attacks and it was incredibly prominent when I was in situations where I didn't know anyone. So if I was rolling with my squad and I had like five or ten people around me, I was fine because I was I had that buffer. But if yeah. I went to a party where I only know knew three or five three people and I'd count around and be like, Oh my god, I only know five people here. What if this person goes to the bathroom? What if that person leaves? And I was having panic attacks. So I started getting initially grief counselling and then it turned into actual counselling just helping me with cognitive stuff to deal with social anxiety. Would you say like like the like a, before your friend passed away, yeah. like before it like hit its like pinnacle yeah. that you that you already had Yeah, hundred like, percent already had social anxiety. hundred percent. Like it was and, and and I think when you talk about love and relationships it manifested in a way that I just never put myself out there because I was terrified of a being rejected but b what my friends who are pretty much the most important people in my life what they might think and the judgment that would fall from that so so that was very much uh, i guess the foundation of no i never put myself out there and i think i through counseling obviously was given cognitive like lessons and skills to deal with the which is pretty much just telling yourself don't be a dickhead this person that's selling you a coffee isn't judging you because you've gone into the coffee shop on your own and you you're like so it was at that point it's and and i still get that but i can buck myself up and be like okay you're a crazy person and like anything there's days that you can handle it more did you have like a a saying that you would have in your like that you would repeat it's not really a mantra but it's like this person isn't going to judge you. Like, this is not a situation where you're going to get judged. And it's also reminding yourself that you've been on the other side of this situation and you've never judged Judged or thought anyone about it. Those kind of things. Um, Anyway, so, and then I moved to New York. Part of the reason I moved to New York is because my panic attacks and anxiety was becoming ridiculous. And I could... In Melbourne. In Melbourne. And I was... And how old were you then? Uh, 25, 26. So, but I could build walls around myself because I had this incredible network and I found myself that whenever I was put in positions Mm. where I didn't have support around me, I fell to pieces. So I'm like, all right, may as well exposure therapy, push yourself out as far as you can. So I moved to the other side. That's huge. I moved to the other side of the world on my own. Um, and then kind of very 
quickly fell on my feet, like fell into an amazing group of friends. So I wasn't really, I kind of built that network up. We had an instant network, which was lucky, but kind of defeated the initial purpose of being there. The flight over, like the the getting on the plane and leaving and coming to New York. That was less overwhelming because I have been single pretty much forever and I've traveled a lot on my own and it wasn't, it was, it was more excitement. Like it was something I'd been working towards for like six months. Okay. So it wasn't terrifying and I didn't fall to pieces and I knew that two of my dearest friends were at the other end to meet me. So it wasn't, it was exciting. It was a little bit nerve wracking. It was like, I might be home in six weeks. I just don't know. But, um, so that is kind of, yeah, Flick had no balls, came to New York, um, and I guess the New York dating scene compared to Melbourne dating scene is very different. It's much more, there's much more of a scene and it's much less serious, I guess. Like yeah. people are dating lots of people all the time. Whereas if you're dating someone in Melbourne, it, it's, it means it's a thing. And I think that's changed since I left because of the advent of dating apps and online but so i think i think that's quite different chilled out a little bit six six years ago five six years ago it was there wasn't really a dating scene and i think the first thing i did within a couple of months moving to new york was i hooked up with the boy a boy that i thought was the biggest dream boat alive um and I was like, this guy is way out of my league. Like, what am I doing? Like, I should be hooking up with a weird, like, acne face redhead in the corner. Like, what, what does he see in me? Like, this is insane. Um, but the amazing part about that is it helped me kind of recalibrate my, I guess, expectations for myself. I wouldn't really go, like, self-worth, but suddenly you're like, oh, maybe I can be attractive like to perspective. this. this Oh, perspective's probably a little, <laughs> little strata. I don't know if perspective and me are two things that go okay. together that well. But um, suddenly I'm like, oh, okay, I can hook up with people of this ilk and, and it's not really a thing. So I think that was one huge step in the right direction. Um, and then I dated a few people and it was still very serious to me because it seemed like a really yeah. big deal um, and to them much less so. But I was like, oh, my God, like I'm pretty sure I'm going to marry this guy and, like, overthinking it and over um dramatizing it um and then I guess there was one boy that I met that and I know this is what you were angling towards when you asked this question maybe um well there were there were there was a couple of things that happened so there was one boy that I met um who I thought was the bee's knees um he lived in Australia and he was here for a couple of weeks turns out found out five letters five years later maybe not the bee's knees but he was on a pedal stool for a while there um and so suddenly i'm like okay I, i've got a bit of a rhythm here this also, is also when someone flies in for two weeks yeah. and you have like your new york moment with yeah. them like they're gonna be on a pedestal yeah like- yeah um but yeah so suddenly okay like i'm like okay i've got a bit of momentum here i got this like i've i've got a bit of confidence self-worth like all those very cliche terms um and then i met this dude at work like we'll put on a pitch team together and i just thought like i just thought it was amazing like he was incredibly like smart we had very similar views um values we could talk about books we could talk about like I don't know, just just things that seemed to me very unusual and we, we could talk about politics, we spoke a lot about kind of similar random TV shows like weird Danish political thrillers and stuff like that. And I just thought he was... We've obviously never connected on that. <laughs> um, 
And I was like, whoa, this is, this is cool. Like, this is really exciting. And it was a work thing. So I was trading very cautiously and I'd kind of assumed he was as well. But we also, we were hanging out and it was very strange. Like it was, we'd hang out and I never really thought it was dates and I didn't know if it was, he thought it was a date. And we would just kind of like hang out, spend the day together and then go our respective ways. We did that a handful of times. Um, spread over a few months and I was like this is so confusing and I bump into I work in a fairly large office there's like 900 people and he worked on a completely different floor to me and we bump into each other and every single time I'd see him he'd be like let's hang out this weekend because he lived around the corner I'd be like yep and every weekend I'd be like cool keep my whole weekend free in the hope that I'd see him and I'd message him and he'd make up some really lame excuse and this kept happening and happening and I was like surely this has got to end and there's got to be a circuit break at some point Maybe he's just being overcautious because it's a work thing and How making much up. Would you say that was taking up your brain headspace? Oh my god, constantly! Like I, I've never looked better at work. Like every day, <laughs> just in case. Like it was just just that constant. Like there's a very high likelihood I could bump into him today, and then it's then you see him and he suggests hanging out. So you're like, oh my god, and it was and and Esther knows this about me probably everyone that knows this knows this about me but the listeners may not i make un i make situations that aren't awkward very awkward very quickly and i also overthink to an unhealthy extent and i think and part of that is just it's who i am but i think it's also that like thinking about every single scenario as part of like because i'm terrified of what the outcome might be fascinates me about you though is that when other people overthink, you're so rational on point and, and rational and be like, no, don't like, you're so, you clean it all up in a minute. Yeah. And then you like being on the other end when you're sort of, when in I'm acting a bit more like you're acting. Yeah. You're like, no, no, like, come on, get it together. And I can, I can recognize, I can recognize when I, I'm getting better at reining myself in now. I think when I overthink. Anyway, I sent myself down a crazy rabbit hole and I was like, this is no longer sustainable. I need to force the issue. I can't, he either likes me or he doesn't. I think in hindsight, I probably should have realized much earlier that he didn't like me. And I think, but I was like, I, my feelings are my feelings and I need to make them known. And by the time I finally did make them known, it was entirely selfish. I'm like, I need to get this off my chest so I can move on. But that's the point. That's what I like. Yeah. But that's the point of when did you realize that it was so important that you're like, I can't just let this go. I have to, I I have to make my feelings known. Like when I think it was, it was probably dominating my thoughts. It was making me unhappy and I kept putting myself in a situation in the hope like I guess it's that definition of insanity right like doing the same thing over and over again expecting a different, a different outcome result. Yeah. so there's only so many texts you can send to someone saying hey you suggested we hang out this weekend you want to hang out and get the same response which is oh no sorry I can't insert lame excuse here um, and I was sending myself insane and I'm like okay I just need to buck up say something and it would have been what nine months overdue saying something but I I'm like I I can't go on like this like I was just sending myself insane and I think I was shutting myself off 
to other opportunities, not even romantically. Like literally when I say keeping a weekend free, I meant keeping a weekend free, not committing to anything with anyone. Like, and for someone that cares so much about being reliable and being kind of a present friend, I was suddenly like, oh, I don't don't want to commit to that. I don't know. So it was just obviously interfering in my life much more than it should be for something that was eventually nothing. Um, You have that that other element, though, of like you've – you that you talk about the friends and the judging and that kind of stuff, but you're also saying I'm probably going to catch up with da-da-da this week. I'm probably going to – and then that – next week your friends will be like how was your catch yeah, up and you're like didn't happen didn't happen yeah, yeah. and it's sort of like another element of that anxiety yeah so it, it kind of all layers in i guess um so and i think i was back in australia for christmas or something and i was like okay i just need to make this disappear like i'm it needs to come to some kind of head whatever the outcome is so the other thing I have always done to process my thoughts is write so whenever I can't make sense of what's going on in my head I will just jot down the five points try and make sense of it and then usually I can move on so I started writing an email to this guy because I'm like well I'll just pretend I'm writing it to him and I'll just put down what I would say to him if I got an opportunity to talk to him um and then I kind of wrote it and I'm like you know what fuck it I'm gonna send it and I sent it How'd you feel? Terrified. He took probably three days to respond. And to his credit, he wrote back a very kind of reasoned and thoughtful response. When you said, because just before though, you said this was nine months overdue. Are you saying that from the moment you met him, it was nine months or that you hadn't actually like been texting or something for nine months? So he would have got this email. I think, let me timeline this. Like, I think I met him probably in May. We were hanging out intermittently for... I want to almost say seven months. Um, and then I probably sent the email two months later. So okay. it wasn't, it wasn't, it, it wasn't it nine probably, months after you it guys It probably was nine months after we first met. Um, it was probably four months overdue to, right. like, to be fair to myself. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I sent this email, he responded and then he's like, can we go out and talk about this? which I thought was nice and unnecessary. And then we met up for a drink and we spoke and just general chit chat. I didn't really say anything. Um, And then I was like, I'm not bringing it up unless he's bringing it up. Well, just some context of what that email, because was there lots of unanswered questions that you wanted him to answer or more like, here's how I felt and... It was more just getting things off my chest and giving him all the... I'm kind of a very... On one level, I'm a very emotional person, and then on another level, I'm a very kind of pragmatic, like not necessarily rule driven, but like no, but I understand that there's there's structure too. Yeah, I'm very structure focused, routine, but I understand that there's like x amount of variables in a situation, and to adjust an outcome, you can alter one of the variables, and that's always been how I've kind of looked at things, and it may not always have been how I've acted, but. Um, so it was, okay, this situation isn't changing. I'm going to put my, get what I want to say off my chest. He can have all of the information he needs to make a decision. So I guess that's perfect information if you're talking about like economic theory type thing. 
Yeah, um, that's what I was telling you about. Yeah, but like giving him per- information so he can make a decision. I can't believe I just started talking about. Yeah, anyway, ignore. I'm not an economist now. I like also how you keep looking at the recorder. I know. Like, Sorry, recorder. Same person. <laughs> it's like when I'm on a teleconference at work, I can't concentrate unless I'm looking at the phone and I get given so much shit about it. Um, anyway, so yeah, so the information was based, the email rather was basically, I don't know what the hell you're thinking. I like you. These are the reasons I'm telling you. I'm like, I like you. You don't need to respond. I'm saying this for entirely selfish reasons, but just wanted to put this out there. Um, So we went out for drinks, spoke about it. He gave me a bit bit of background. He's like, initially I was seeing it as a romantic thing. Then I got really scared. Again, I don't know if that's just him trying to let me down softly, whatever it was. But so that was the chat we had. And literally, and just in terms of like freeing yourself of something, the next day was my birthday and I hooked up with this dude the next night who I then saw for like five months. There is no way that that would have happened had that email chat thing. Like I would have been like completely closed off to other things. And I think suddenly I realized this is how I need to operate to be able to move on with, move on from things. Um, And I think I have since been in a number of situations where I start feeling that kind of anxious confusion life dominating kind of um i guess vibe not even interference whatever we want to call it and that's usually what motivates me now to act because it's like okay i'm starting to behave like a crazy person i know the way i need to fix this and it's like get everything off my chest so person and it, it probably is forcing the issue and maybe it's a little bit more forward than other people would be but I know for my own sanity probably my roommate's sanity as well I need to I've always been I, I grew up in a family that holds on to things so much and I and it's interesting as even as a little kid I used to say to both my parents like if you're not doing anything to change it you're not allowed to talk about it anymore and I, I guess you said that to me I, I think I said that to you as well but I do very strongly believe it and now I'm just kind of taking my own advice I guess so do you think there's also like your 31 yeah you think there's also a moment of like I don't know like we're hit an age range where like I think it's just better we yeah, I think I think it's interesting because I talk about. So I moved to New York when I was twenty six, and I'm now thirty one, and it's been a huge, without sounding like an absolute wanker, like it's been a huge personal growth time for me. But I don't know. I think a huge amount of that is being New York and being out of my. I wouldn't say out of my comfort zone because I found myself in a very comfortable zone in New York, but being out of my rut and it was a very happy rut that I was in in Melbourne but I lived in the same neighborhood from the moment I was born to the moment I left I knew everyone everyone my newest friend I'd known for like 15 years basically like it's there's that you can't change anything even if you tried in that environment so I think getting out of that rut um being able to be my the truest form of myself again so much of this sounds so wanky and self-helpy but I guess, and, and the interesting thing for me Self-help is... Self-help books have been written because people have gone through true. it and everyone's gone through it. So even yeah. if it sounds wanky, everyone can relate. Yeah. So it's like, it's just the word that sums it up. Yeah. Or you could talk for 20 hours about it, or yeah. you could just say two words. So I think that, yeah, giving myself the space to get to fully know myself. And I think the interesting thing for me is I'm pretty much exactly the same person 
I was six years ago. I'm just much more sure that that's a person and I am. And I think part of that is a, a nice way to put it. Yeah, I think part of that is kind of the maturity and like just getting older as well. Um, and then I guess, yeah, with all the boy drama and Jesus for someone that. <laughs> had a very drama-free life in the romance stakes before I moved to New York. There's been a lot over, over the last, let's say, three years, to be fair, three or four years. Um, but, yeah, it is just that I don't have time for this. Like, I don't, I don't have time to obsess and dwell. Like, if this isn't what it is, let's yeah figure it out and move on and for me figuring it out i've realized this is making sure i get everything off my chest that i want to say so i can't obsess and say well what if i did this what if i did this so just being kind of very but there's, like there's another element to this as well it's not necessarily even you um and like i guess i've got to say i'm coming very personally when i'm asking these questions of like i have no balls when yeah. it comes to relationships so like when i see you take these leaps i'm like holy god <laughs> what That's how I feel. Yeah, and um, you're there to pick me up when I like fall off the cliff and like don't surface again. <laughs> yeah, but then you've like I've stayed in a similar place yeah. of not having re- relationships and not taking leaps, yeah. and so I've been very safe. I'm still safe. I'm yeah. still in my little box. You're totally outside your box. You're like, but you're free. But even these moments of not even you expressing that you like them or did it, but also like. It, examples of just saying okay maybe I don't not supposed to see them the next night after I've seen them because it's it's fresh yeah I'm talking about the start of these like relationship you've had but then like let's go on why don't we just go on a weekend away together or do you know like you it's not just that you express that you like them but you also am like no I would love to do this with them it's probably inappropriate because we've only been seeing each other for two weeks or something but if that's what I want to do that's what I want to do and I think that sometimes it seems like it's worse sometimes it 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 hasn't but like here's the romantic in me but I would presume with the right guy it's going to be like the clincher that just like seals the deal well uh, it's interesting I was just having this conversation with a friend um I'd like to believe that that's the case. Like, it's like when you've, when there's someone that you like, you can do no wrong. And I think that's, I think in their eyes, really, especially in the early days. And I think for me, I now realize like, hey, I'm going to make it very clear where I stand. If if they're there with me, we'll go on a little journey together. If they're not there with me, fuck it. And I guess that's kind of maybe a very cut and dry approach, but... I think it just comes down to, and I think this is more the age thing, like, and, and not yeah. age or time as in like a biological clock, but it's like, I've got plenty of things I'd rather be doing with my time. You can either do this with me or I'll go and do it with someone else, romantic or, yeah. or otherwise. Like, if you have a better option, let me know. It's so, yeah, so, and, and I, I keep saying forcing the issue and I think that's it. Like, it's like, if it's not right, I don't want to waste my time with something that's not right and if it's so I guess that's where it comes from and it's like well hey here's this crazy idea this is something I want to do so I'm gonna do it I don't know it's yeah haven't thought about that side as much of it and I think compared to others I still probably don't put myself out there anywhere near as much like I would never walk up to a random in a bar that's changing a little bit as well. (laughs) (laughs) But um, but yeah it's just uh, and yeah I think it's 
the, the really nice thing for me, like just talk, I haven't, I really haven't given this this much thought, but, and this, I guess goes back to the social anxiety piece of it is knowing that I now have the confidence to do these things and I'm not terrified of the consequences. What did you think the consequence, like when it was really bad, the social anxiety, yeah. right? And especially the level of it with the relationship yeah. and guys, what did you actually see was like a terrible outcome? And this is the, the most irrational thing. And this is kind of one of the like things that you tell yourself when you start to try and recognize when you fall into, even if you break it down, you're like the worst thing that could happen here would be they say no. And they, and maybe they laugh about you and gossip about you behind your back. And to, to be that's something that I, I'm not a private person. If you ask me questions, I will answer them very honestly. Um, but I don't offer things up. And I think people back home and my family find that very difficult because I'm not telling them news. But part of it is I don't like being spoken about, which is, right. a, but I also, but that's a, I think you always blow out of proportion the amount that people care about your life. And I, I, totally think, I think, I think that was always for me, like, oh my God, this person might say no. And then everyone's going to laugh about it in reality, not really a big deal. And now we're like, if anyone laughs at you, they're assholes and like, well, they're not worth yeah. it. And that's also the really nice thing. And this is the other thing I've been doing since New York as well. Is I've, and this again, will sound very like new agey and but I've suddenly been doing a lot of yoga and I have this amazing yoga teacher or not suddenly I've been doing a lot of yoga for the last four or five years but I had this amazing teacher who used to do like I guess like five ten minute I don't know what you'd call them teachings lessons and and I guess the whole philosophy of yoga is like no judgment and you do what you can do and and you kind Mm. of be kind and good to your neighbor and and I think for some reason that really rubbed off on me and I stopped judging people. I stopped, I'm like, okay, everyone has their whole host of issues that they're dealing with in their world. They either deal with it in a way that's positive and they're a nice person or they deal with it in a way that's negative and they're not a nice person. But either way, that doesn't impact me. And that's been the other really nice thing. Like I know I'm not sitting there gossiping about people. I'm not interested in other people's lives. I'm certainly not interested in talking about other people's misfortunes. And I guess I just hope that we're all old enough and mature enough that a lot of people have the same views. outlook. Well, I also think what I am, cause that's been a huge fear of mine as well as just people talking about yeah. it or even like going to another level of being naked with a guy or having sex or something. And then there he goes for a drink the next night with his friends yeah. and talks about it. Like that to me is just like sickening. Yeah. But yet there's, there's been a time where I've gone out for coffee with my friends afterward and I wouldn't say I've shared any te- like inappropriate yeah. details, but we've discussed it because it was something that happened yeah. in my life. And I'm going, but that was not out of any like malice or, yeah. you know. And you're not sitting there going, oh my God, he had a pimple on his bum. You're yeah. sitting there going, oh my God, this happened and this happened. Yeah. Oh, like it's never, a, it's never a personal thing. But I do think that the things that you are so aware of that people may judge you for like and I'm I'm gonna like be very like um this is very surface based but say like very aware that your bra line digs in a bit and you've got a little yeah. bit of the chubbiness coming out of the bra line or whatever so if you've noticed that about yourself it's like your eyes are trained to <laughs> notice that on other people so in a sense 
you're this you're, you're scared for, because you're judge, you're noticing it yeah. on everyone else yeah you're looking you're you're yeah reflecting your own insecurities onto other people, people. And, and if you're noticing then you're presuming they're noticing yeah. so it's like it's actually you that's being the judgy one yeah <laughs> and if you let that go you're exactly what you said you're gonna be um, yeah less and i'm like oh and it's that it's like it's like when your parents used to say to you like oh they're just bullying you because they're they're unhappy in themselves and that never really makes sense to you and then suddenly it clicks and you're like okay they're being an asshole because they're unhappy with their own set of circumstances and and it's so as soon as you learn not to take that stuff personally suddenly there's that layer of fear about judgment that kind of goes goes away away. as well because it's like if someone's going to judge me for doing this screw them because i'm doing what i need to do and also if these people that say they're sitting around a table and someone says something about you if they're not mature enough to like laugh whatever yeah but if they're not mature enough to go that is one minuscule tiny little thing about someone that we know everyone has their issues or their quirks or something like if if you're not going to give everyone the benefit of doubt that they've also got a billion other things that they're worrying yeah. about and you're going to come the most important, that they're going to lie awake at night thinking about your something yeah. about you, it's totally wrong. No one is. They yeah. think about their own issues, their own things. They're worried that you're judging them. Like, he, I didn't word that as well as I could have. But, yeah, when you put it all into perspective, you can take a deep breath. Yeah, it's, and it's so interesting. Like, I, I'm like, I, I feel like I've had... relatively easy life but I also know that it's been laden with complications and like issues from when I was born but yet if I if I kind of looked back I'd say you know what pretty good it's been pretty good but I also know that every single one of those issues and complications and sometimes difficult kind of things have definitely shaped who I am today and so every single person is carrying around their own like set of issues and complications and it's like hey I don't know I'm now just at the point like I've had quite a few friends die and like I'm now at the point like if if you somehow get like we're not even that old but if you get to our age I'm like you've you've done all right like if you get to our age and you're a decent person good on you like you've done all right and I think everyone deserves a pat on the back like it's and it's a it's just kind of recognizing that everyone's been on some kind of ride and that's like and also that you have the choice of who you want to be around like if that person's just it's just a bit toxic for you or whatever because they haven't dealt with some of their issues or or they remind you of something that's just uncomfortable or what's lovely is you have a choice to be there or not and you can like move on take this to a very like philosophical reflective place well well funny because i don't i think i never you never worded it the way that you i've never heard you explain it just like you have then especially about the judgment of people and i think that that's a huge one that i have and i've always wondered why like why i've always been very envious of people that don't give a shit about what people think like they just could not care less like I've, I've had one friend in my past who just would go wild and sleep with these guys and this and we, I would we would all meet them and be like who is this guy but she was just on it she was just figuring it out yeah. and she's now with this beautiful man but I used to just sort of go oh like how are you okay to go through all these learning curves um because aren't you worried yeah people are judging you 
And I'm sure she was to a point, but nothing like if it was me. And I was always envious of it because she was learning and failing and then doing something better. And she was, I felt like she was taking 20 leaps ahead of me because she was willing to just put herself on the line and not even just with guys just you can you can put that story to anything in your life career it's that stupid lame advertising agency quote that's written up on every wall which is fail harder and you're like oh my god i just want to shoot anyone that brings that into a presentation or writes it on a wall or something like that but you think about it and you're like okay like Every mistake you make, you learn. You learn far more from your mistakes than you do from your successes. And I guess, well, yeah. Uh, I guess, yeah. You just gotta look at. I don't know. Every time, like every time, like every single time, you have like some kind of drama, and not you personally, just. And like I know with me now, I'm like, okay, well, I am going to get through this. This is nowhere near as bad as other things that have happened, and I will learn something from it. I don't know what. It's a shitty lesson, but yeah, I think that's the only way you can look at things. So I wanted to bring up this subject of living in a different country. Yeah. Being 31. Yep biological clock is there yep you're looking at me like (laughs) where is she going um and having an idea of where you want to raise your kids where you want your future to be and maybe it's not where you are right now like how does that how does that change the idea of dating and all that kind of thing it's really interesting so because i'll be there soon (laughs) Six months ago, would we call it six months ago? Yeah, about six months ago, I was dating a boy who I thought was the bee's knees. Are um, we seeing a pattern with the bee's knees? <laughs> I, I get told this. I don't date anyone I don't like, um, and I think it's a problem for me. I guess th- that sounds like a very obvious statement, but everyone I've dated I've really liked, and I don't uh, for good fortune, maybe I'm too generous, but I don't think so because there's a lot of people in this world that I'm like, I wouldn't waste my time with you. Right. But one of the things, one of my really good friends is like, I don't know how you do it because you still adore every single one of your exes, and it's true. And for me, I think that's a really nice thing but I also know it makes it a lot harder for me to get over things and I continue to kind of look at people with not necessarily rose-coloured lenses, but I continue to look at them and go, oh, they're marvellous, but it just not but maybe for find, me. I always find it fascinating that people could, say, be in a relationship for three years and then two years later they're like, I hate them. I hate them. I hate them. Yeah. How can you hate someone? And I think, I think there's, there, there's situations and there's circumstances, yeah. like how things end, how they're managed, how you personally need to be able to move, move on, on with things. Yeah. Um, but what it means for me is I just have this collection of people that I think are great and some of them are on higher pedestals than others and but I can still recognize what I initially liked about them and and that usually holds true whether I'm with them or not um but yeah I I was with this good dude um I thought he was marvelous I I really thought it was 
going to be something um and then very quickly it just kind of fell to pieces and it just never realized its full potential and I think that in itself was heartbreaking because it had such great potential and we just never quite got there but he was from Seattle and I'm obviously from Melbourne Australia so probably not super obviously not in great proximity to each other um and two really interesting things happened so very early on he's like would you be open to moving to Seattle and I was like you know like if this was right I'd be open to anything um and I didn't recognize it at the time but I suddenly for the first time in five years I started to get really homesick um and that was really interesting to me and I think I realized like I was like okay whole time I've been here I've only been a flight away and I might be about to enter into something that's going to make it a lot more complicated and harder to leave um so that that was really interesting in of itself um and then I think even though I hadn't expressed it to him because I didn't I wasn't like yeah let's move to Seattle but in my head I was like yeah I'm 100% prepared to move to Seattle like this guy is awesome um I'd give it a shot like whatever and yeah so things fell to pieces and they fell to pieces in just a really uncomfortable jilted not jilted probably it was very stilted like neither of us were saying what we wanted to I think we were we were kind of it was it all suddenly got went from being great to being really uncertain and it all came down to neither of us saying what we were thinking or what we were like it was just a complete breakdown of communication which also goes back to the point now of and things that have happened since I've been like I'm just going to say everything I want to say so I don't have to worry about not having said it but that was probably like the big lesson I got out of kind of this failed um relationship but Yeah, so, and suddenly I realized, like, okay, I was prepared to move to the other side of the States, which isn't even my home country, be completely dependent on someone I don't know and completely dependent on his network and community. And for someone that's, I don't want to say fiercely because it's a bit of a cliche, but fiercely independent, um, that's kind of really scary and also knowing that when I'm in an uncomfortable situation, I retreat and You're that would have best. been an uncomfortable situation. So I think, and the thing about New York is it's such a transient city and people coming and going all the time. Um, and, and no one who's in New York is here for the long haul or very few people. So if you meet an American, chances are you're going to end up somewhere else in America, not New in New York. Um, also, just like feasibility, like yeah, the and money you got to have to bring up a family in New York City. Yeah, so I, I, I kind of suddenly started to realise that maybe I don't want to be with an American, and at the same time, the most important person to me in the world is my brother. He just he's my everything and he's got two kids who are just amazing his wife's amazing and the longer I'm here the harder I am finding it and they're in Melbourne I'm the the harder I'm finding it being away from them and it's literally if I don't speak to them for a week I'm completely off kilter like it's um so I know I want to be around them and so suddenly my criteria which is just I want to meet an awesome dude I don't care is suddenly I want to meet an awesome dude who's from where I'm from. And I think part of that as well is I have friends over here who are like international relationships and and they've all said, whatever you do, end up with someone that's 
from where you're from and I think really yeah they're like it just becomes so complicated like even just the simple things and it's really like you suddenly someone's always going to be sacrificing yeah. and that puts a huge amount of pressure on even the strongest relationships um so it's kind of with that that I'm like, okay, I know that this is now really important to me being with an Australian. Um, and I, I honestly think like it, it is probably more the Australian layer than the being in Australia layer. Like if I'm going to commit to a life with someone, I just want to know that they've got a similar pull to what I do and mm. can identify with that. And that's also been really interesting. So, and I think the reason you bring this up, Esther, is suddenly being in a city of however how many 20 million how many people live in new york no, so 1.6 live in manhattan 8 million live in new yeah, york so city. suddenly being in a city of 10 million the most appealing romantic prospect is someone that lives in london <laughs> <laughs> and i was like and and it, it's not just the fact that there's a, this a random isn't why I brought no, this up. isn't a random australian dude in london this is as you a, a, a random australian dude who he's not random at all but a dude that i think is marvelous and fantastic and i care about him even though i don't really know him that well um but i care about him immensely and so suddenly we started talking and i was like hey maybe i move to london at the end of this year like i, I wasn't actually planning on moving to london but i'm like i'd be open to it like if things with this dude are working so some, suddenly we're talking about a transatlantic relationship that would end up with one person in New York, one person in London, but both from the same hometown, suddenly starting to seem like a really viable option, which when you think about it is a little bit crazy that that looks like an option. But I think for me it just showed how important it, that Australian piece of it, and yeah. that's been really surprising to me, especially given like all the dudes pretty much I've been dating over the last five years have been American guys. Um, and I think the first part of your question that you asked was not necessarily being where you want to be or end up and and how I reconcile that and I guess it's really interesting like it it does at times feel like you're treading water um and you're like what am I doing here like I am getting older I do know I want kids like that is and that's also been a really surprising thing for me like I think I always saw myself with kids but it's like suddenly like turn 30 my ovaries kicked in and it's like hey baby 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 yeah. baby like suddenly I'm like oh that guy I'm so attracted to him he'd be such a great dad and you're like what like what where did that come from like that in itself is a little bit terrifying um also just seeing like these like I'm look you go for a walk in Greenpoint Brooklyn where we live and there's just these young families and I swear four years ago I used to look at these families and be like oh they're like years away from yeah. my age and now I'm looking I'm like they're younger than me yeah <laughs> like this yeah it's weird so and like working in advertising and in the in the area of advertising I do so I work in account service in advertising and I'm kind of ultimately responsible for delivery of projects and you're constantly living by work back timelines and so I'm like okay I've always wanted kids late but I'm like okay I want kids when I'm 35 roughly it's like okay well now I'm 31 I'm still single it's like suddenly you're like and I know I want kids in Australia so 35 um all right so that means i'll be pregnant at 34 probably don't want to 
just like jump into having kids with someone I've just met. So I probably need to try and meet someone. And I'm like 32. <laughs> like shit, that's kind of next year. So there's there's that little bit of it. But I think the interesting piece for me is like it's it's less about the location piece and more about the Australia piece. Well, I didn't. That's yeah. a new one that I've heard. I think that that's smart though. I mean, otherwise you're just like narrowing, 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 yeah. narrowing, and it's it's suddenly. And, and, and I really struggled with, um, I guess I really struggled with the thought of moving back to Melbourne where my dating life was non-existent and suddenly expecting that just because I've been away for five years, that would change. And I think we have a very dear friend who's moved home and she's kind of moved home because she's like, all right, pretty much the same thought process that I'm having now, but she's like, let's kickstart this. And it's kind of been... Just to just, back that up, it was like, I want to have kids. I want a partner. I want to be in Australia. Yeah. Well, I'm moving back to Australia and I'm going to get on with this plan Plan that's really important to me. That's what our friend did, yeah. And suddenly you've, you've sacrificed a whole life and you're, you're in like maybe a slightly less than ideal position and then the plan's not coming into fruition. And I think the one thing I've always been very much like, okay, we'll just do what makes you happy and everything else will fall into place. And it's an interesting thing because like... My, it's just just if there are any guys listening it's really interesting being a chick and I'm not like a super girly girl and I went and saw two of my best friends who are in the UK um, and they're like I can't believe you're talking like this what has happened to you and they're both boys and I'm like you don't understand like this is this is you can have kids till you're pretty much dead I'm like if I, this is something I want to do I gotta I gotta get going and there's like hormones that are pretty much like yeah, and it's that like okay, but it's, it's not more even the, that. It's, it's not... just the fear that it may not happen exactly yeah. how you want it to. But if I were to kind of break down my life, there's this one huge question mark, and then the rest of it's awesome oh, exactly. and great, and I love it. But it's just this huge question mark that's lingering, and and it's interesting speaking to friends who have had trouble conceiving and they they have the same thing they're like it's like I had one friend that has had like a huge amount of like pelvic inflammatory issues and it was always going to be really difficult for her to conceive and she was trying for about three years and she suddenly and like as a single girl you can kind of relate to some of these things like she suddenly started realizing that she was retreating from all of her like closest friends because they were all pregnant yeah and she suddenly she's like it was heartbreaking being around them because they have what I want desperately and they don't understand what I'm going through and it's infertility issues as something that or fertility fertility issues of things that people weirdly and I think we should all make an effort not to to change this but suffer in silence Mm -hmm. and it's so interesting now speaking to so many of my girlfriends who are like yeah we were trying for like two years weren't sure if it was going to happen but my one friend she's like I just she's like if someone had told me that I was going to have a kid but it was going to be in four years I would have just chilled out been fine enjoyed what I was doing and happily welcomed my child into the world four years later but the fact that I didn't know and there was this huge concern that I couldn't have a baby she's like it was torture and I think that it's the same thing like and every single one of your friends that's in a happy relationship is like you know you'll meet someone and it'll be awesome and it's like yeah people have been saying this to me now for about 15 years I think about that sometimes well I was like like, it hasn't happened yet like and it, yeah, and you're like, I like looking at myself. I'm like, yeah, no, I, I reckon I got this. Like, I'm cool shit, successful, like, awesome friends, like, completely independent. Like, I'm like, I'm a catch. But then you're just, like, sitting out there like, okay, why is no one catching me? <laughs> yeah. I'm ready. <laughs> 
I'm here. I know, and that's, I mean, that's the beauty and the fear of, of life is that you yeah. just can't, you, it's something you cannot control. But there's some people out there that do, like, I know a few girls where they're like, no, I, I knew I wanted a husband yeah. by this time. I knew what he kind of the criteria I needed him to be. I went on online dating. I went on like 40 yeah. dates. I found him. I married him. Yeah. But I don't, I, I, and, and to be fair, I, there are not many relationships that I would want to be in. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm picky and I'm like intentionally picky. Well, that's a good thing picky. to say. Yeah. It's, it's not just it's, about getting fun, like getting I, pregnant. Or I know lots of people who have jumped, who are having kids with people that they don't like. And I would drive, like if people drive me insane, they drive me insane. Like I, you've seen me, like I just stop oh, talking yeah. or I have to leave. We call like, it shit flick. No, well, that's, that's a bit that's different. different. That's just, just when I'm tired and hungover and grumpy. Flick. But yeah, if I, if I'm surrounded by people that we don't align, I'm withdrawn completely. I'm like, I'm not entering into something that's like, I don't think anyone ever though chooses. Like I, I know people that have chosen imperfect relationships and Pointedly, like I know this isn't quite right, but I want this. But I want this, and if I'm going to, I'm going to stay now. in this because there's not a better option, and I'm also not prepared to sacrifice kind of that part of it. So yeah, see what happens. But my friend, one of my dear friends, who gets drunk and gives me lectures about how great I am, um, she did. Sa- she expressed it really nicely, like she's married and. Um, and I love these chats and they've dried up, but you know, maybe they'll start up again. Um, I think I've started to I get a few of these chats. Nice, and I'm also a bit jealous. Every time I see Jen pull you into the corner, I get a little bit, mm. mm-hmm. but, um, Jen, oh, um, expressed it in a really nice way. Like not you'll end up with someone, but she said to me, she's like, you are so awesome. And I just could not love you anymore. And I am so excited to see who you end up with. And it was just a really different way of framing it and it's like there there's there's a potentially awesome like yeah situation just on the horizon but it was just she's like you're not going to settle for someone's shit and you should be really excited about whoever you end up with and it's going to be fun to see who that person is and I'm like yeah 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 Damn straight. And I, yeah, like she really remembers these chats. <laughs> she never remembers um, these chats. But I, yeah, um, but yeah, it was just a really, yeah, different way of framing it and a kind of nice, like, very, an optimistic outlook. I like it though before when you said, just to clarify, this is like one section of my life, there's 50 other amazing things yeah. going on. Like, if this isn't taking over my whole headspace of every. I don't think that my life isn't great because I'm not in a relationship yeah. or something like that. Yeah, it's it's definitely not a defining. Yeah, but but in a sense, that whole. Tenet. That biological clock and just figuring it out and having this idea when you were a young girl of I would be. Yeah. That I thought this, this would I'm all like. be a bit sorted by now. Um, the one thing that I'm really struggling about or with at the moment is being a single girl at age 31 and hanging around single peers and 95% of the time the conversation goes to like dating disasters why won't I 
And I is think that just I've, because it's fun to talk about? I, I wonder. I think it's an easy well. topic, and I think it's it's something that kind of plagues everyone's thought. And there's thoughts, and there's not that many single companions out there. Like there's not that many single girls out there anymore. So it's like, oh my god, someone that understands what I'm right. going through. But I'm like, I've never like this isn't stuff I enjoy talking about. Like sometimes there's a little funny anecdote in there, and but like it's just like, oh, can we just like talk about like ideas not ideas that sounds really wanky um like just things and stuff and news and absolute rubbish that means nothing but rather than sitting there and feels like somewhat of an obsession and it's like every single time and it's and i i actually find that the most depressing thing about being a single 31 year old like yeah by far and away (laughs) I'm glad I've had you on the podcast yeah. for an hour. No, but it, it's, it it's different. We're talking. Yeah. It's not. It's not. No, oh, I agree. How are you meeting people? What are you doing? Well, it's also are you dating the, the guilt of, of like the. There's always like a, especially if it's um, like if your friend has maybe started to date someone, or they like. Are you? Are you trying? Like, like, like yeah, what's going? On? I mean, are you putting yourself out there? Like this, like this sort of lectury sort of. Oh, I like I feel for you. Yeah. <laughs> like this. Why does that have to be a part of your voice? Yeah, it's it's yeah, and that that's also the worst thing. Like the concern from the happily coupled people. <laughs> it's like fuck off. I don't. It's not that. It is not my number one goal in life to shack up with someone and like. I'm like it'd be nice. It'd be nice to have a companion that you enjoy their company but oh, really can we just talk about something else like, we've been friends for 30 years like surely there's something surely we, we can talk, talk about. about trump or bernie <laughs> i think there's a few things going on in the world like, uh, but anyway so yeah uh, i want you to promote your blog your, your blog post i don't even know the url but do you want me to talk about my blog yeah like the topic of my blog well, i just thought it was cool that you wrote your blog um, I wrote a blog. Um, I was drunk and I was outraged. Um, one of the things I found really interesting about being in the States, though, is because I don't know the URL of this blog, I'm just going to tell you the premise of it. Um, very early on, like, I was hooking up with dudes and there was always, like, a conversation around using a condom. And that was kind of fairly new to me. And I was like, what is going on? And I dated this dude... For about I don't know on and off, oh, I don't know. Like I would, we dated for about four months, to three months, and then we would catch up very casually. He was like my kryptonite. He was so shit at life, but he was so good looking. And skater, yeah. When there was nothing else happening, I was like, oh, like the best looking person to to date that I've ever seen. But just one of those people that tried to coast on his looks for far too long, and the rest of his life fell to pieces. <laughs> Um, to put it gently. <laughs> um, but I was chatting to him about it once and I was like, I don't get it. Like, why is this a thing? Like, and, and we established that he was going to wear a condom and blah, blah, blah. But I, we were chatting about it and he's like, you know, like, and I'm like, what do they teach you in sex ed? He's like, oh, sex ed's not really a thing. Like, not many, like, you don't necessarily, like, it's not a mandated thing you do at school um what's taught from school to school is different um sometimes it's church sponsored so we all know how that goes don't have have lots of babies or don't have sex at all um really healthy advice um and it's just and every single american that i've hooked up with it's been except for one it's been like a conversation well 
Yeah. And then I was, I met this dude at a bar six months ago and we were seeing each other casually and I was very insistent that he wear a condom. I also can't take the pill because I have crazy migraines that mean I'm at a much higher chance of getting a stroke. Um, so, but pregnancy is not even my biggest fear. Like it's honestly, I don't want to carry around a rash that you then tell people for the rest of your life that hey, we can <laughs> sleep together. Like, imagine like having spoken about my social anxiety, like I would never leave the house. Like I would never talk to a boy again. Cause I'd be like, it's just going to lead to me having an awkward conversation. You're saying if you had herpes or something. Yeah. Like, right? can you imagine? I, I, I cannot. And so that's like, I'm like, I'm not risking that shit like it's not so anyway and then things kind of fell apart with this person the london boy that i was talking about before um and i was like i just need to and i've been seeing this guy kind of throughout that and then i was like well there's something i care about more so why would i even bother catching up with this person um i'm not very good at multi tasking when it comes to boys um but anyway so i'm like okay well i just want something just a little bit of attention a little bit of loving so i sent him a message and it'd probably been i think about a month before we since we'd last seen each other and i thought that was entirely because i'd lost interest (laughs) um and kind of shifted elsewhere and the last time i saw him i was basically like ew don't touch me like why is this stinky human in my bed like um and yeah and anyway so i sent him a text being like hey dude what up and he sent me like a kissy face then he said lol i stopped hanging with you because you made me wear a condom truth and i was um drunk feeling the kind of feminist empowered part of me came out and also like i gotta make a point here yeah so i was like wow sex with a condom was that bad he wrote back saying yep and i'm like well i know it wasn't because you seem to be having a fine Fine time time. (laughs) fine time um and anyway and so i was like okay well i'm going on <laughs> to my vibrator because i only have one set of you, oh yeah you wrote that to him i yeah anyway this is why you shouldn't tag me in this place <laughs> when you put it up on social media and he wrote back being like the petulant immature person that he is saying cool and then the most staggering thing about this whole exchange to me. So I got home, I was a few drinks down, I didn't get my vibrator out, but I was like, this needs to be documented. You like, got your laptop am, out. As I said before, I write when I to think things through. I was probably six or seven drinks down, so not obviously still coherent and could sit at a computer, but sat, sat down, wrote an article, did some research about sex ed in America and why it's so important and how it operates in other countries, and, and I wrote my first and last blog. <laughs> So there you go. I don't think last blog at all. I think this is just the start. Oh, but it's only if someone gives me such strong material to work with. <laughs> right. Well, I, I feel like that's a, life cha- is, a challenge yeah. to yeah, people out there. Um, I totally forgot to give you your homework to pick your favourite love song, but I feel oh. like you know... I have a few. Um... There's a song that I absolutely love by the liars that my brother and his wife walked down the aisle to, and it's called The Other Side of Mount Heart Attack. 
um, which is just the most beautiful song ever. There's also another one with the same night, which is like before Mount Heart Attack, which is the most aggressive nice. form on it. So don't, so make sure you play the right song. Um, and then there's another song, a Brian Eno song that I love, and it's like I'll come running, I'll come running to tie your shoes, and oh, it's just yeah. so sweet, and I love it, and it makes me so happy. Um, okay, yeah. I'll put both of those songs yeah. on the end of the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Flicky. I think we did it. We're done. Are we? Are we, we an hour? We are at. We are at one hour and one minute. Oh, wow. Nailed it. All right. Thank Thank you, you, Essie. High five. All right. Well, that's it. (laughs) Bye.
To tie your shoe, I'll come running to tie your shoe. 